Michigan Short Track Racing Authority is Horsepower Happenings. Curtis Roberts, welcome to Horsepower Happenings. The Northport, Florida driver, Danny Sams III, welcome to Horsepower Happenings. Travis Stemler, welcome to Horsepower Happenings. Steve Irwin, welcome into Horsepower Happenings, my friend. Director of Race Operations for the ASA Stars National Tour, Joe Ballish, welcome. Over 50 years of industry experience, from behind the wheel to behind the microphone. Here comes Stambaugh into turns three and four. Stambaugh to the lift. Stambaugh sideways, Greg Dolman wins. Yeah, guys, wholesale uh, right side tire changes, that, that seems to be the decision. All down. Road. Exclusive interviews every week. Hear from drivers, track owners, series promoters, and so much more. You know, after about eight hours of months in medical center, they uh, they were pretty adamant about me staying out of the car for quite a while. It'll be, it'll be my first stab at driving a race car that I haven't prepared from end to end, that I'm not calling the shots on, all of that, all at once. Plus, local news, analysis, and opinions you didn't ask for. She is not going to have any excuses. That is some of the best equipment there at Anti Camp and Racing that money can buy. This points fund is massive. These races are massive. These are some of the most high-paying races in the country. From the Be Cool Radiator Studio, presented by CNT Services, here are Zach Heiser and Rich France. Good evening, race fans, and welcome in to another episode of Horsepower Happenings, a jam-packed show tonight. So excited to get things rolling, so let's get into it with a Motor City Minute. Since we last talked, Tyler Erb, Ashton Winger, Ryan Gustin, and Hudson O'Neill all went to Victory Lane with the Lucas Oil Late Model Dirt Series. For O'Neill, he went back-to-back before the final night of racing from East Bay Raceway Park was washed out. The series is now off until a doubleheader at Atomic and Brownstown Speedways in late March. This news broke late last week. The ASA Stars National Touring Series has signed a TV deal. All 10 ASA National Stars Tour races will be tape delay broadcast on MAV-TV. Inside of this deal is also a deal for the CRA, excuse me, for the ASA CRA Super Series, for the ASA Southern Super Series, and for the ASA Midwest Tour to all be broadcast live uh, via the uh, folks at Racing America. One race will end up on Flow Racing, and that'll be the race at... Um, North Wilkesboro Speedway held in May. That'll be on Flow Racing. Speaking of the Southern Super Series, they're getting ready for their big race tomorrow night on Tuesday. But if you listen to this program at all, you know I'm a big fan of William Swalich. He got it done last night from New Smyrna Speedway in their 35-lap super late model uh, event. So keep an eye on Swalich. He's now definitely a contender to win a World Series championship. Those things and so much more happening in a Motor City Minute. Good evening. Welcome in. I'm Zach Heiser. Rich France joins me from a, uh, well, it took you three years, but you're finally in quarantine, my friend. Uh, you yeah. don't, you don't, How the hell does that happen? You don't look any years. better. Uh, you don't look any worse, uh, but you definitely do sound like you're under the weather. Thanks for making time to still join us, man. Yeah, it shocked me too. You know, never know where you can't be right yeah that's right that's right yeah, now i know where i'm allowed to be i'm allowed to be in my house for a week yeah so. yeah well hopefully no, it does no, hopefully no. great to join you zach uh glad your boy won yes i'm sure yes yes william uh, sawalich i'm sure that made your day i tell you what i actually missed that race i had another commitment i couldn't watch it but i read when i read the headline i thought that's darn right he got the job done um want to say uh how about a couple of our michigan representatives rich I love the phrase close, but no cigar. And that was the story for Michigan last night from New Smyrna. Yeah, and, and you know, uh, the World Series of stock car racing is underway down there. It took them a while to get underway with the rain. Yeah. That didn't, Mother Nature didn't want to let them uh, get started early. 
<clears throat> but on Sunday, uh, two of our Michigan natives nearly punched their ticket to victory lane, uh, but bad luck struck down both drivers' chances on cashing in on the win. Uh, Dryden, Michigan's Katie Hettinger and Olivet, Michigan's Walt Abrinsky Jr. are now left wondering what if in last night's contest, Hettinger qualified seventh quick overall and invert a seven uh, would put her on the pole for the 35 lap feature. Uh, after fading slightly at the start, Hettinger battled back to the top spot, racing side by side with leader Carson Brown. Hettinger made a pass to his inside coming off a of turn two to take the lead. However, the dreaded caution flew. Before the next lap could be completed, uh, Hettinger was uh, six one thousandths of a second from taking the lead on that lap. Uh, she would have to restart, would not get the same restart, and would end up finishing in the runner-up spot. And Walter Brinsky Jr.'s circumstances were slightly different. He said fast time for the EMODs, rolled off third for their feature event. Uh, Walt clearly had the best car in the field as he quickly took the lead from Jeffrey White. Suddenly, Abrinsky uh, had company from White again. Um, after opening up a comfortable lead with less than 10 laps to go, Abrinsky uh, started to fade a little bit. It was discovered Abrinsky uh, had dropped a cylinder late in that event. So, um, boy, we some of our some of our racers from up Michigan they had a shot. They had a shot. Yeah, uh, Katie though she's fired up. Uh, she had a car to win the night before on Saturday. Got caught up in somebody else's mess and uh, drove all the way back to the front of the field, then made a mistake on her own. She's hungry for a World Series title, uh, so I think we're going to see her go to victory lane a couple times before this week is over. Speed Weeks, while underway, Michigan was represented on the dirt as well, uh, down in modified territory at Volusia Speedway Park. You know how they do that? They split the some 90 cars that they get into five or six different features. Um, really good runs for some of our guys. Mark Anderson had a good week. Jared and Kurt Spaulding. Uh, Kurt Spaulding, I want to give him a shout-out. He finished third in one of those uh, smaller features, made the big dance, Rich, came from 28th and finished 11th. Uh, so a great run for Kurt Spaulding. Uh, Steve Schellenberger was down there. Zeke McKenzie, uh, he brought home a runner-up finish on one of the nights. Brian Rollman and Shannon Fisk down there running pretty respectfully uh, as well. Speaking of Brian Rollman, he joins Steve Irwin and Matt Westfall as drivers who are on the track as we speak at Volusia Speedway Park. Uh, they are running with the USAC Amsoil National Sprint Car uh, Series for the next several nights. They'll be at Volusia Speedway Park for two non-points events tonight and tomorrow night. Practice day at Bubba Raceway Park on Wednesday. Then Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, uh, they'll run down there at Bubba and uh, try to do their best. Of course, Matt Westfall getting set for a full-time Silver Crown season here in 2023. Steve Irwin, he's made about 21 attempts, uh, 14 of those successful to start with the USAC Silver Crown. And, of course, Brian Rollman, we know his history with sprint cars is not that old. So he'll go down there and uh, try to make some shows with USAC uh, sprint car tour as well. So good luck to those three drivers as they get their dirt on this week down in uh, Florida Speed Weeks. Hey, you know, uh, we mentioned this last week, Rich. It's time to check your stuff. Where's your receiver? Does it work? If you're using a transponder, does it charge all the way? Is it? Listen, do you have a pouch for your transponder? I don't know about you, Rich. I always got yelled at. Make sure you put that transponder in a pouch. Okay, if you don't have a pouch, 
we can get you hooked up with that too. MI Service Solutions. They have your hookup on all things electronic scoring for the racer and, oh, by the way, for the racetrack as well. Underground scoring loops, they've got your hookup. You want to buy transponders by the case, do it. It's great. Uh, get a hold of our friend Justin. He's your Michigan-owned and operated West Holden Raceiver dealer with MI Service Solutions. All Raceiver models, parts, and accessories. Uh, and uh, they are ready to go for the upcoming season. Find MI Service Solutions on Facebook. Order anytime at miservicesolutions.com. And make sure you use that promo code HPH10 for 10% off instantly at checkout. Well, Zach, we talked last week uh, about this group of gentlemen. Man, made a lot of noise uh, up north at the Sioux at the I-500 snowmobile race. We said we had to get them on the show. We took a beating because we didn't have them on last week. Yeah. And we said it takes a little more work to get five guys on the show than than just to call them. But we got Chad Bauer, Cody Bauer, Tyler Nichols, uh, Nick Wickerham, and uh, and Joe Birch on the program. Guys, welcome to Horsepower Happenings. Thank you. How's it going? Thank you. Chad, let's start with you, man. Um, there was a lot of well, – before we get into all the specifics – at the end, there was a lot of emotion by everybody, and and I've watched this race for a few years now, um, but I've never seen that kind of emotion out of a winning team. Where did that come from? Uh, come from uh, on my end, from starting with my father. Um, Tommy Bauer Racing's ran in fifty-two of the fifty-four years that the I five hundred's been running, and it was always his passion and dream to win it, and. Uh, we didn't quite get it done before uh, he passed away, but we, we did get it done now. So it was just uh, pretty emotional for everyone, all, all of us, even our town. So, Chad, did you come into this race? Uh, I mean, this is such a big deal. As a casual fan for me, and I told you guys this before we got started, I don't watch snowmobile racing. Um, but I, I sat down and I watched this race. And for me, I'm thinking Tommy Bauer racing is the favorite coming into this. And then, you know, I watch the race unfold, and, and we come down to there being five guys left, five teams left who could win this race. Chad, what were your expectations for the team? Obviously, you're not a rider, but it's kind of head of the team. What did you think you guys were capable of that day when you guys got there? Um, the last few years, we've been, we've been capable of winning, and uh, – for one reason or another, we just didn't. Um, I mean, you got to have a perfect day, and uh, or as close to perfect as you can get. Uh, this year, we uh, we kind of teamed up with with you know we got four great drivers. You know, uh, I mean, most people I feel like our driver our driver compound was was set up really well, um, and we we knew we were getting closer and closer every year to, to trying to get it done. And I mean. We all had a pretty good feeling this year, for sure. Just whether or not you can get everything to go go the way you need it to. Now I don't remember what order you guys all went. <laughs> That's out what in, I was going to ask: is if he remembered the rider order. I was going to ask yeah. that. Well, I think I think most. I'm guessing. And let me, Cody. Let me go with you. I'm. I'm I remembered it was. God, I, I'm thinking the first quarter of the race when you got out there. All I could tell was you were flying. Yeah, yeah, that right after the plow at 100, I hopped on after Joey got off. And, uh, yeah, I think we went and led 30 or so laps there before we come into pit. But, yeah, that thing was, it was definitely running good at the beginning of the day for sure. How do you guys, with so many people on this team, how do you determine, 
the rider lineup and and the stints that you're going to ride. So 500 laps, uh, uh, 500 right I five hundred five riders or not five riders excuse me what do we got four riders and and Chad is an owner so how do you break that up do you guys sit down and determine look at what the track conditions might do that was you know that got pretty rough there at the end when Joe uh, brought it home how do you guys break that down and I don't know who who's responsible for that so whoever wants to take that please do Tyler okay I'm happy to um, I'm the old guy so I like the smooth racetrack so I'll start okay you know, how's that go yeah um, just over the years um, I've, I've just been starting um, you know typically I just I seem to be a little better on a smoother racetrack you know a little higher speed and smooth track um, and these youngsters you know I mean they're they're all tough kids and you know they really really run well in the bumps Um so I just, I started, I kind of, I don't even remember how many laps I really ran, probably 60 or 70, somewhere in that neighborhood. And um, I don't think there was a real, oh, I don't want to say order, you know, okay. just a little bit of a shoot from the hip. Of course, we wanted to try and get everybody on, you know, to feel the sled out so they didn't have to jump on at lap 400, you know, and try and figure everything out. Um, so, you know, I don't think there was a real, we never really had a real conversation of, what order we're going to go in. Um, but when I got off the sled, I was, I was happy with, you know, where we were already. So I was, I was happy to let the other three just have the rest of the day. And that's kind of the way it worked out. Here's what I want to do is if just real quickly to kind of get everybody associated with our audience and Tyler, I'll start with you. Uh, give me your connection. Tell us, uh, tell us real quick what your connection is to Chad or Cody or, or the Bauer, the Tommy Bauer racing team, how long you've been involved and how you got involved. Well, um, I guess the the real story is in 2012, um, I just kind of had to make a major life change. Um, so I had to walk away from racing and, and everything. And um, the team, Tommy about Racing, heard that I, I was no longer on a sled, and they gave me a call. And, of course, I couldn't turn down the opportunity. You know, I've been looking at their sleds up to the zoo for years, and they're beautiful. It's kind of one of those machines y'all just want to get on. Um so it worked out that um, they invited me down. I came down, and I've been with them ever since. And, you know, we, we didn't really even know each other up until that point. Um, but since then, it's just it's been, a, you know, just an absolute fantastic group of guys. I love them all to death. And, you know, I think our, our friendship is fantastic now, you know, all because of racing. Um, uh, Joe. So I guess, yeah, it's been 13 years now. Something wow. Like that. Wow, great. Um, Joe, I'll go to you, Joe Birch, uh, get you in on the program, man. Obviously you guys, uh, circle track, you guys see each other all summer, but talk to me about this winter stuff, the snowmobile side of things, which is, which is a huge passion for your family as well. And we'll talk about that a little bit later on, but, uh, tell me how you got connected with the Tommy Bauer racing team. Yeah, we're, we have a big connection. Um, I've known Chad and Cody and Tommy since I was just a little kid, me and Cody hanging out at the racetrack watching Chad race and my dad helped Chad out with the dirt car stuff and everything like that. Um, they're actually the first team that got me on the track at the Sioux. Wow. Um, with the rookie roundup stuff when I can't remember how old I was. And then the following year ran, um, the pro-am or actually ran the I 500 with Mikey Haynes and we did decent that year. And then, um, we kind of, I kind of went a separate way. I had another opportunity to go with another team, which in hindsight, I kind of wish I would have stayed with them, but 
I was young and kind of dumb at the time, but stayed with stayed um, with Tommy Bauer know. right right through that with the Tommy yeah, Bauer. Race. Okay, stayed with them through it. I was gonna say, I was gonna say Joe, you just won an I five hundred. You can't say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but uh, when uh, he came out with last year, the owner um, he's been having some health issues and stuff like that, and kind of was starting to get out of racing a little bit. And I was kind of looking for a team, and they've been trying to get me to ride with them for a while now and um got an opportunity to go with them and it was history from there yeah and uh nick i think that leaves you i think we kind of know what cody's connection is so uh nick tell me how you got connected with tommy bauer racing and and what that little bit of history has been like for you yeah um it actually started uh 365 days before uh we won the sioux um <laughs> last year <laughs> nice yeah it, it actually yeah it happened at the uh the banquet of the i-500 last year um i was riding with a another team and cody had fallen off at the end of the i-500 i would say probably 20 or 30 laps to go last year and uh the, the track got him and there was a race the following weekend uh for the myra circuit that we also run and uh mike otto and chad we were all talking and they uh they said hey they might need a rider to possibly ride with them and i was kind of team hopping at that time as i didn't have anybody really looking for a driver i was a replacement for a lot of people and one thing led to another we went to ken ross uh cody and i no tyler and i uh, rode that and then i also rode with them at lincoln and at Lincoln, they asked me if I would uh, be in for this year. I said, heck, yeah, you know, they, they had great sleds, and, you know, I got to basically test them, riding with them, and, uh, yeah, one thing led to another, and, you know, here we are. So, yeah. Now, there, I don't think there's any way we could analyze all 500 laps of this race, but, uh, Joey, I'm going to come back to you, man, because I this is what I thought, and I can't believe, I think I only missed about 75 laps, which is, a miracle for me That's and I good. stayed with it and stayed with it. But, but Joey, tell me, it looked like that that sled was starting to go away near the end. And then you guys had to make a big decision late in that race. Yeah. They're there at the end with, we were up front and it was kind of hard to pick your lines of where to go because when you're out running out front, you're just trying to, run as fast as you can and hit all your marks just to stay out in the lead and you're kind of going wherever you can to stay out there and happened to get into a little bit of dirt and lost the front end on the sled a little bit to where I couldn't turn and ended up getting past and fell back to second and then slowly second fell back to third and then fell back to like fourth I believe at one point and uh, I feel it was like 10 laps to go or so I got on the radio and ask the guys if I'd lose anything if I come in and pit besides track position. They're like, no, you're, you're the last sled on the lead lap with them, and if you come in, you're just going to lose track position. So I planned on coming in, but they did a short yellow where they end up, you think they're going to open the pits up and let you come in, and then they end up telling you on the front stretch that they're going to go green, and that happened, and I thought that, it was kind of over with at that point where I wasn't going to get another opportunity to come in. And luckily another caution come out and it was a little bit longer one and made a last minute decision to come in and get skis to help me turn a little bit better. And I knew it was going to help me out, but I didn't realize 
how much of a difference it was actually going to make. And I feel like those first couple of laps, I ended up getting around pretty much all the lappers within a lap or two and, and closed on the leaders like way faster than I expected to close up to them. I didn't realize that you could rip the lip in snowmobile racing. Uh, but it's exactly what it looked like you did. Now, clarify for me, because Rich and I talked about this after the race. I thought that if you went down pit road, you went to the tail of the longest line, regardless of what lap you were on. Is that not, was that not the case? Nope, it was, yeah, that's the case. Um, at that point, there was, I feel like there was only 12 sleds still running, maybe a little bit more. So it wasn't like I was super far back compared to like the beginning of the day. You must have got so a jump on a bunch of them on the straightaway bit. then before you got ever got to the corner. That? I say you must have got a jump on a bunch of them coming down the straightaway before you ever got to the corner then. Yeah, that was uh, – so at the Sioux, they have a barrel on the front stretch, and when they throw the green flag, you're not allowed to pass any sleds until you're past that barrel. So it kind of hurts you a little bit when you're a faster sled in the bag being patient to try and get around them and – Luckily, we had a little bit more drive than those guys once I got past the barrel, and then I had so much more front end and steering than they had to where I could drive into the corner a lot harder than them, and I think that's what kind of got the edge of getting around a lot of those guys initially. Now, Cody, I got to ask you a question because I, I, I was joking around with Zach last week. I said, I don't know what it takes to get carbide off of a snowmobile body, but you guys were going to figure it out. Because um, you guys were bouncing, they were bouncing off each other like crazy. Did you have any idea that sleds could do that? As far as uh, Joey going for the win there on the last straightaway? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I've never seen, yeah, I've never seen sleds do that. I've seen cars <laughs> do it every week, but I've never seen sleds bounce off each other like they did. Yeah, it's, it's pretty impressive how they bounced off each other and they both managed to stay on, but going for something that big uh i don't think there's a driver in the pit area that wouldn't have been doing that so um <laughs> going for something that big it's uh i mean that's a boss obviously chad i want to talk to you um everybody's been saying the same thing 500 laps 500 miles and it all comes down to the exit of turn four and that last straightaway um first of all i guess could you see where were you at chad could you see your rider and your sled um, as they were coming off of turn four, and what were those emotions like as they were coming to the line? Well, I knew I, I could hear people yelling. I, I couldn't see it. I was standing in our pit area with, and I had my phone with the race monitor on it, and I was just staring at that. Oh you know? man! But I, but I could hear the screaming from the hill, so I knew I'm like, oh my, you know, it's, it's a good race. Close, you know. And I just kept watching the monitor, watching the monitor, and then bam, you know, we jumped to the top, and I just I couldn't believe it. Did you, I pretty much just fell to the ground. I couldn't believe it. Did you notice the margin of victory, or did you just notice that you were at the top? I at that point, I just seen nineteen Tommy Bauer racing at the top. And that's all, I <laughs> that's all that matters, race. man. That's where you needed <laughs> to be, right there. Uh, so. Nick and Tyler, Nick, I'll start with you. Uh, this yeah. this in auto racing, we talk about, a lot about how it takes the team to get to victory lane, and in circle track racing, that's still the team relies on one driver. Uh, Nick, how how hard or or what is it like watching someone else in this instance, Joe, be responsible for the final outcome of the sled in this race? To be on the sidelines watching another racer, another rider, 
really control your destiny as a as a as a rider as well. I mean, you all are I five hundred champions now, uh, thanks to what you all did throughout five hundred miles. But what is it like to be on the sidelines and watch one other rider be responsible for everyone's outcome? And and again, Nick, we'll start with you. Um, well, you know, we're a team. We all work together. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, we, we all put our effort in to get it that far. We all kept it up front at the end of the day. And at the end of the day, we, we believed in Joey was the guy to finish. I, I was not the guy to finish. I, I had put my stents in and uh, I wasn't as fast as Joey. And I don't know if, you know, I haven't really looked at the lap times real close of where Cody was and whatnot, but he had just come off the racetrack. So, I mean, he was the freshest body, you know, other than Tyler, but Tyler, like he said, he wanted to start the race. It was rough. So, you know, Joey was our, was our freshest and and best bet at the end of the race. So, I mean, you know, it's all in his hands and, you know, whatever happened, happened, you know, obviously we all wanted to win. I mean, cause that's why we're there. Right. So, so I mean, no, I mean, I, we put it in his hands. We gave him the best piece of equipment we could and, I mean, hey, you know, give her hell and uh, see what happens. And, and you know, it worked out, and, and we all celebrated together. It was, it, was, it was awesome. Tyler, same question for you. You probably had to watch, uh, just guessing from what I'm hearing of your guys' strategy, you probably watched the most laps from the sidelines. What was that like for you? Uh, you know, obviously, again, you had your part on the sled, but what was that like for you to watch those guys go out there and really set this whole thing up for it to be about the last lap? Oh, it was, it was absolutely fantastic. You know, I mean, like Nick said, we are absolutely, it is a team effort. You know, it's from the guys in the shop building the things, um, you know, to race day and the trailer, everybody, what everybody does is so so crucial, um, you know, to, to the outcome of every weekend. Um, you know, and, and for me personally, in, in my heart, I wanted it to either be Cody or I wanted it to be Joey on the sled. You know, I know what that race means to Chad, to Cody. Um, you know, of course, it means an awful lot to Mike and Kelly Otto as well. They put so much into it. Um, but it, me personally, um, I was on the racetrack in 2006 right behind Joey's dad um, when that incident happened. And, you know, it's it was really emotional for me, and I'm just so proud of, of Joey being able to – pull off what he pulled off you know so yeah. whether it been cody that would have been just as absolutely fantastic because I, I know what that race means to the entire family you know and um to be honest with that rather it would have been one of those three boys on that racetrack than than myself because being yeah. able to watch it was just absolutely amazing were you there with chad when he uh when he said he, he, he dropped to his knees when he saw the finish were you there with him uh, we pretty much ended up in a big pile on pit road. Yeah. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> it was great. Yeah. Yeah. At one at one time, I seen uh, Chad face down in the snow. We were like, "What is going on?" And they were just sitting there, just taking yeah. it all I, in. I mean, it was it was. I, awesome. uh, I honestly thought he had a heart attack. I had to go and check on him before I run to the front. <laughs> like, Did he have a heart attack or is he in shock? Yeah. Co- Cody, oh, I, I actually love to see that grown man cry. That was the best day. Absolutely. <laughs> I, 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 I got to tell you guys this too, and, and we have a little Horsepower Happenings group chat, and I, I sent this in the chat. I, never before has an auto race moved me to tears, um, but I was so thrilled for you guys. I just was sitting here with goosebumps and a smile on my face and a tear rolling down my cheek because of how important it was for you guys. Uh, Cody, question for you. When you set this up and you realize your time on the sled has come to an end and you come down pit road, 
is there an exchange between you and Joe? Like, okay, I've got us this far, get us home. Here's what the tracks do, and here's where we're better than them. Is there any time to have that conversation, or is it a quick rider change? No, we we change, and then um, you know, once he gets out on the on the caution and it's making his uh, pace laps there, you know, I kind of tell him where I was running and and what I thought was the smoothest line and what worked best for me. Um, I try to give him that advice, but at the end of the day, he, uh, you know, picks his own lines and runs where he gets comfortable. So, but yeah, I definitely try to give him the best advice I can when you, when you get off the sled. And Joe, I got a, I got a, a couple questions for you, but we'll start with the obvious one. Did you know that you beat him from the line from your seat? No, I, I was, I was hoping we did, but honestly, I didn't really know that we truly won until I come back around the front stretch. Like I was going around, like, like we just won it, but I was still kind of had in the back of my mind. I'm like, well, did he actually get me at the line or what? Too many what ifs going on. And I didn't actually know that we won until I come to the front stretch and the flagger, Mark Juday handed me the checkered flag. And then at that point it was still kind of believe that we won the race. Joe, you talked about spending a lot of time growing up with Cody, but I mean, your deal too, to win this race, um, you know, with your connection with your dad to this race, that, that, that had to been awfully emotional for you to handle as well. Yeah, it was. I know like those last 10 laps or so I was, I was talking to him saying, just, help me out a little bit. I only got a few more laps to make it work. And he must've been, as Chad said, he said, you must've been kicking your ass across the finish line and giving you that little extra push. <laughs> but he, he definitely must've helped out in one way or something, but it was, I honestly didn't really notice that it was anniversary of his passing until I want to say it was like a couple of days before I was leaving to go up there. I finally actually looked at the calendar because you just know it's the first Saturday of February, but you don't pay attention to what the day it is until I was heading up there and kind of filling out time for work. And I realized what the date was. And it was kind of a, it was kind of a weird feeling because of just going back to knowing that the last time he raced was with Tommy Bauer. Then me back racing with Tommy Bauer happened to be on the same date that he had passed away. It was just a, unbelievable feeling of couldn't believe it how everything kind of lines up and works its way out in life and everything was there any part of you that didn't want to go because of that no no cool no there's no part of me that didn't want to go like it's what i grew up being around and doing to no matter what i'll probably be up there probably every year until for some odd reason i can't make it up there yeah all right, Joe, let's talk about the race on the track again. Uh, coming out of turn number four, they talked all race about how the bottom of the racetrack was getting really rough. And I think a pivotal moment in this race, I believe in my heart, you would have won this race hands down, but you hit a jump. Uh, Bill, I, don't, I don't know what they call them in the technical terms uh, in the snowmobile race. I can't remember what the term was they were using. He went in the air. Yeah, but you. This was a full-on <laughs> jump. I don't think. I don't. I don't think that the. Uh, I don't think that the machine was on the ground at all. Um, and I think that that again, this is an unprofessional uh, a look at the race from a Flow Racing TV broadcast. I think that that hurt your chances down the straightaway so much. Did you know that your only shot to win that race was to slide up and crowd? crowd the rider to your outside 
Yeah, that was coming down the back stretch. I was trying to draft him as much as I could because I was still behind him. And at the last minute, I pulled out to get around him. And then at that point, I'm like, oh, crap. I overdrove going into three. Hopefully, hopefully I can make it stick. And then I was trying to roll it up as best I could and got up into the berm. And then at that point, I'm like, I threw it all away. I'm like, I just got to get the sled pointed straight and get back in the throttle as soon as I can. And got it straight, got in the throttle. And once I got going, I was realized I was a little bit further left than I like to be and hit that last pull or bump or jump whatever you want to call it and at that point I looked over and I saw Ross was right there and I tried getting over on him to getting off at work or not of like side drafting or anything to possibly give me an edge and when I encroached on him I come over a lot faster than I expected to and I bumped him a little bit and I expected to get bumped back one time like hey payback this and that and coming to the front stretch or coming to the checkered but he kept hitting me and hit me a couple more times and I know after that last time I was hoping that he didn't do it again because if he did I would have ended up in the infield uh yeah you were right down on the bottom yeah yeah and at that point I'm like if I end up in the bank I'm not letting off until I get thrown off (laughs) because it's the biggest snowball race in the world so just to clarify, and again, we're among friends here. You didn't mean to hit him. I mean, I think no. I think I think no, you would admit if you I, did. Uh, you know, because we've seen that before in circle track racing. You slide up, you hit the guy, see what happens. Um, on a snowmobile, I thought you, I thought for sure you guys were going to yard sale it down the front stretch. I, honest to God, I did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I didn't. I didn't mean to hit him at all. I meant to get up close to him and end up bumping him into him, which obviously I didn't mean to happens but yeah it was it was kind of a miracle that i stayed keys and trackside down coming to the checkered <laughs> like that once once i saw you guys making contact i would have paid any money to be the third place guy because <laughs> I, I thought that was a guy that was going to win because the other two sleds in my opinion what i saw weren't going to make it to the start finish line that was just my thought but both you guys both you guys who put on a show you and roth i mean Coming down that front stretch, it was just some unbelievable riding and driving. I did, in my opinion, and I'm not, and I'm not a veteran of snowmobile racing. I just, I just thought it was awesome. Yeah, yeah, it was, and I honestly think if he would have just maybe bumped me that one time and kind of keep his focus forward, he probably would have, would have ended up winning it. But he ended up scrubbing a little bit of speed, which helped us out in the, in the end. Well, guys, uh, we would love to continue talking, but we uh, have to get this thing wrapped up. So I want to go around the horn before I let you guys go. And this is something that is always fun for Rich and I to be able to do, uh, because especially because I don't think it ever gets old. So Tyler Nichols, we'll start with you. Uh, you are an I-500. You're a Sioux I-500 champion. Tell me what that means to you. Oh, at this point, it means everything. I mean, I get, get a little more gray hair on my chin than I'd like to have, so... You know, you kind of start to wonder if the day is ever going to come. Um, you know, but to to be with this team on the 19 sled and all these guys with their first win and my first win, um, it is absolutely the the top of the bucket list. Absolutely. Nick Wickerham, you are a Sioux I-500 champion, my man. Tell me what that means to you. 
Uh, it, it's hard to believe I've only been playing the snowmobile game for the last, I don't know, five, six years, but, uh, I've known of that race a long time and been to it a long time. And when I got the opportunity to ride with those guys, I knew we, we had a shot and it's still, I, I don't know if it's really set in yet. Hard to believe, you know, people, you know, I still see every day congratulating me. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. And without, uh, Mike and Kelly Otto and the whole Tommy Bauer racing team, uh, none of this would have been possible. So, yeah, I can't thank them guys enough. Joey Birch, man, uh, you got the pleasure, you got the honor of riding that thing to the finish. You're a CUI 500 champion. Tell me what it means. Yeah, it, it's like Nick said, it doesn't seem real yet. Um, as a little kid watching, just hoping I get the opportunity to just race on that track, not alone win the race. And now knowing next year going up there when – drivers meeting and they give out the shirts for all the qualifying drivers and have all the names of previous year's winners and seeing that all four of our names will be on that shirt it probably probably won't fully set in until we get that shirt and see that our names are on there cody bauer man uh you're a sioux i-500 champion i know you with your connection to your grandpa watching your dad go through this now and kind of taking over the reins of the team Cody, tell me what this means for you. Oh, it's huge. It's definitely what I've been chasing for probably many years now, since I started nine years. You know, it's kind of similar to me and Joey. You know, I remember watching this race, you know, on the hill when I was a kid. And, heck, I think the dominant one back then was Corey Davidson. I remember watching him down there with the trophy and everything. And it's just something that I've always wanted to do. It's, uh, like like they said, it, it honestly still probably hasn't even set in all the way. But it uh. It definitely satisfied my career. It's it's I don't know. It's hard to explain. It's it's awesome. And Chad, you've been at this a while. Um, this has got to be huge for you. And how's it going to feel going back there, knowing next year when you guys go back, you will be the hunted. Oh, it'll be really nice for a change. That's for sure. Um, I do want to clear up just a little bit. You've heard them mention Mike and Kelly Otto. Um, they are our team owners. I'm, I'm not, I'm not the owner of the team. So when my dad passed away, Mike came to me and they've been some of my best friends for all of about 30 years now. Um, Mike decided that he would take the team over and, uh, you know, and, and they've done that and, uh, given these guys the best, the best equipment that we can possibly ask for or have, um, along with our team. I mean, there's seven, eight, nine guys, 10 guys, you know, that are, that are up here working on stuff, you know, three, three, four nights a week, sometimes uh, trying to do the best we can to give, give the guys what they need to win. And uh, I mean, that's all been possible because of Mike and Kelly Otto. And uh, I know they all do and I do, and, and we all appreciate, you know, what they've done for all of us. Well, and Chad, um, I was going to ask you a little bit different question than I asked the riders because um, I was going to ask you what these guys mean to you to, to help the Tommy Bauer racing name team, that Bauer name as, as was just mentioned is now going to go down in the history books as an I 500 championship name. Um, so tell me what that means to you and, and what these guys mean to you to be able to make that happen for your dad's legacy. I know for, for Joe, Joey's dad's legacy as well, just the emotions that are attached to that. Yep. I mean, it means everything. I mean, that's been my dad's dream forever. I've been following, 
following him up to the zoo since I was 12 years old. And then I did my stint of riding for seven or eight years before I give it up. And then now Cody and, you know, to see my son on there and win, you know, get one of these biggest things is just awesome. Um, Tyler, Tyler, we, you know, we became family over these last 12 years, 13 years, whatever it's been. And Joey, um, I was really good friends with Joe B with his dad. Um, and that all was devastating for, for all of us and me included. I mean, I spent a lot of time with him, you know, I'd pick him right up along the side of the road in Rosebush with his flannel shirt and six pack of beer. And we had to Mount Pleasant Speedway every Friday night, you know? And, uh, so, and, and to see Joey on, I mean, honestly, at the end, it was just, it just all fell the way it needed to fall. It was just, it, you know, you got three families with, with different situations this year, you know, um, you know, with my dad wanting it and, and with Joe, Joey winning it on, you know, 17 years of the day with Joe B and some circumstances with uh, Kelly uh, going on in her battle with cancer. Um, it was just, it, it just all happened at the perfect time. And then Nikki there, we've just been together a couple of years, but I mean, he does a great job too. I mean, he keeps the sled right up front and he does an awesome job of riding him and his dad and, and they're real fun to be around as well. Um, so it's just really great. I don't know if, how much time do we got. I like to tell you one. <laughs> we got one little sequence. Okay. Yeah. Oh yeah. We got yeah, like, we got to hear like this. Two minutes. Yep. Yep. You got to hear this. Give it to now, me. Now listen. Listen real careful. Okay. So Cody turns twenty nine on June twenty ninth of this year. Okay. That that's your golden birthday, right? Golden on, year. On, your golden year. On May 29th, he won the Big 10,000 to win late model show at Merritt Speedway. Okay? On on November 29th, we left for the Dome. Okay? On December 2nd, he won the big race inside the Dome, which is the same day my dad passed away on December 2nd. Oh, my. Okay? We go up. We leave for the I-500 on January 29th. Yep. Okay? We get up there. We win the I-500 on February 4th, 17 years to the day of passing of Joe B., Joey's dad. Wow. Okay? All right? Now, I get home. My cousin, Doug, sent me a Facebook message, and he said, Hey, cuz, you, Cody, the team, you all did it. He said, it's been 50 years in the making. He said, I don't know if you believe in divine powers, but I got a poem I wrote one week before the race, and I'd like you to read it. So naturally, I went to his Facebook page to see what it was, okay? Now, keep in mind, this race has never happened this way ever, okay? All right, you ready? Yep. It was a, it was a cold and blustery day upon the track, but many drivers were up for the task. And when the flag dropped, what an awesome sound. Another I-500, you could hear them bad boys for miles around. They're all there to win, and that is quite the test, and only brings out the best. And when that white flag dropped, they will hear the distance roar. They will think the devil is riding like he never has before. And as the checkered flag is about to come down out of a cloud of snow, it will be a photo finish. Every driver's dream. The first to cross the line, Tommy Bauer racing team. Wow. When the battle is over and the smoke clears, there will be thunder from the throne for Tommy and his uncle Bill will be dancing. The trophy is finally home. Posted January 29th. Unreal. No, you know what you guys got to do? You got to all I mean, retire now because that's never good. If, if something doesn't match yeah. up, that story's out the window. Oh, my See, goodness. Aren't you glad I read it? Aren't you glad I told you? Gives Here me goosebumps. That's, 
Thanks, you, gotta, awesome. you gotta tell them the you gotta tell them the craziest part though. Oh, we're racing, and we're racing when we won. Joey was racing the twenty nine for the win. Ha! Really? Yeah. Oh my yeah. goodness! Wow! You gotta give me goosebumps, yep. Chad. That is wild. <laughs> wow, yep. guys! Uh, Chad Bauer, Cody Bauer, Joe Birch, uh, Nick Wickerham, and Tyler Nichols. Your I five hundred, your twenty twenty three I five hundred championship team and riders, gentlemen. Uh, we got to let you go. Thank you so much for making time to join us tonight. And on behalf of Rich, Scott, everybody with Horsepower Happenings, a huge congratulations. Nicely done. Good luck with the rest of your winter season. And for those of you, good luck with your Circle Track season as well. Thank you. Thank you, thank guys. You. Thank Appreciate you, sir. It. Thank yep. you. Want to say thanks to our friends at Be Cool Radiators, uh, Justin. A, uh, I tell you what, you got to check out their website. They got some cool stuff on there, man. You're doing an LS swap. You got a rat rod. You got a drag car. You got a front wheel drive. Whatever you got, Be Cool Radiators is the place to go to keep that engine performing, keep it under. You know, you got to get that optimum temperature to keep things going the right way. Uh, also, want to say thanks to CNT Services, Be Cool Radiators, the uh, season sponsor right now for the uh, studio. Appreciate them coming on board. Uh, check them out, Essexville, Michigan, BeCool.com, or you can call them anytime, 1 800 691 2667. Okay, now it's our pleasure to bring in our next guest, and uh, this this driver, uh, originally from Toledo, Ohio, makes his home in Petersburg, Michigan. So uh, it's our pleasure to bring in the uh, the guy who's really good at driving sprint cars, and I know he's really looking forward to getting back behind the wheel one soon. Jimmy McCune, welcome on to Horsepower Happenings. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you having me on. Well, I'm not gonna I'm gonna take the Rich France approach to this, and I'm not gonna beat around the bush. Um, <laughs> Let's go back to July. You uh, you decide that you're going to dabble in some dirt sprint car racing. Um, let's start there. Take 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 me to that decision first. Uh, you start playing around with the dirt sprint car. Is this a car you own or are you a hired gun? Tell me what that setup was. No, it's a, a buddy of mine, Doug Stas out of Finley. <clears throat> we've known my family. You know, my dad and I have known him for geez thirty plus years now. Um, was real good tight friends with uh, Mike Stryker back in the day when I was driving for Mike in the midgets back in the late nineties and stuff. So I've known him a long time and, uh, he had, uh, Rick Doherty's son, um, the Peterbilt guys from, uh, back in that era, he was running one of his cars and, you know, it was hit or miss over the last couple of years with COVID and stuff like that. So I was kind of needling him a little bit every once in a while. And I'd say, Hey, you know, if you ain't going to run the car, let me know. And, <laughs> you know, one thing led to another, and he finally called my bluff, and, you know, here we are. So you had run a couple of shows uh, last year up to that point in July. Um, yep. Not setting the world on fire, just kind of, you know, having some fun, testing some things out. What was the goal? What were you looking to do with that car? Uh, just have fun, man. Um, you know, we've been busting our tails so hard on the asphalt for, for so many years now, and you know, it was just kind of like, you know, something different, something more challenging. You know, it's kind of like running the super modified years ago. Um, it was just challenging. It was something new. It was out of my ordinary, something I hadn't done before. Um, you know, we went really well with that and, and we're lucky to pull off a win with that. So, you know, with the dirt, it was kind of like unfinished business. I mean, I kind of started there. Sure. Um, I was running the asphalt midget, you know, back in the day for my dad and our little family car. And then uh, a buddy of ours, Dwight Reedling had uh, hired me to run his sprint car. And, you know, back in the day when we did that, it was, you know, mid nineties, we tried to run for Attic and Fremont, but um, it was a brand new Litton car that had never been finished. But the problem with it for us was it was a 
four coils. So it just didn't really work out for us very yeah. well. So, yeah. you know, between myself and, uh, and a couple other drivers, um, uh, actually Wilson, who just, uh, unfortunately had passed away recently. He yeah. drove the car, uh, Brian Tyler drove the car. Um, I think I was one of the last ones to actually drive the car. So, you know, we had speed and success, but it was just never anything consistent. So, um, you know, I ended up getting fired out of that car and, uh, you know, just one thing led to another and, you know, I went uh, to the asphalt and, you know, had a lot of success there, but it was just kind of like, I wanted to do, I just wanted to get back to the dirt again. So when Doug said, Hey, you want to run this car? And I was just like, I jumped at the opportunity. July 23rd, 2022. It's, you know, we just, in our last interview, talked a little bit about divine intervention. Uh, Rich can attest to this. I have a tight schedule. I never get a chance to go and be a fan anywhere. But I remember this night very clearly. Butler Motor Speedway is literally 10 minutes from my house. I told my wife, I'm going to go. I got nothing going on. I'm going to just go watch a race at Butler. I think maybe my dad and I went. And we got there right at the end of Sprint Car Hot Laps, right as you, and I remember this very clearly, I sat down as you buzzed the front stretch and came to a stop at the top of turn one, and I instantly knew something was wrong, just the way that that whole scenario worked out. Um what do you remember from those moments? I remember every minute of it, <laughs> yeah. every second of it. Um, you know, I, it was my, I don't know, second full night on dirt. I mean, we ran, we went to Fremont, just kind of like knocked the cobwebs off of myself. And, you know, we went and uh, watched Butler the week, or, uh, I think it was two or three weeks before that. And I was just kind of like intimidated by the banks. And I was just like, you know what? I haven't been in dirt in 20 plus years. I don't want to come here. So we went to Fremont you know, tight little small bull ring flat. And I just felt more comfortable there. So we went and did it, went to Butler. And then I didn't feel so out of place. You know, um, we got the first night underneath us. Second night we go out there and I'm just in my brain. I'm like, all right, let's go out there. And we're just going to just put this thing on a mat and let it rip and, you know, see what we get for these three laps. And I did that. And, uh, second lap I come around and I was just like, I, I dumped the throttle in more one and gave it a little burp, put it back down. And I was like, was that fuel? I, I couldn't tell. I just felt this cold rush of something on my leg. And I was like, I don't know. Down the back straight, I went down in the three, same thing. And then I felt the fuel and I knew it was fuel. And I was like, oh crap, you know? So kind of dumped the throttle and uh, come across the start finish line and, you know, put my arm out, waved and bottom of the racetrack, up out of exit, uh, to get out of the exit there in turn one. And as soon as I crested about halfway up that hill, I just instantly felt that woof and, uh, you know, that, you know, when you start a fire out in the backyard and you just feel that shock wave of just, woof, you know, I felt that instantly. And then the massive amount of heat and I was just like, oh, crap. Did you, so, did, did, did it ever be discovered what ignited that? Yeah, a, a bad fuel line, just a fuel line that burst right in the middle. Uh, for what reason? I have no idea. Um, to this day, I don't even really have an explanation for it. Just a, a crappy old hose, you know. So and and so, just um, one more thing to clarify. So, just naturally, by you slowing the car down to exit the racetrack, it allowed the fuel and the fumes to ignite and start the fire. Because because at the at, while you were on track, you weren't on fire. You had felt the exactly. fuel. You had felt the fuel leak, but yep. it, it, in the slowing down process, it allowed the fuel or the fumes to catch an exhaust or something, the block or something, and ignite. Yeah. It's a, Exactly. What my assumption is, is when I turned up the hill and, you know, went up the racetrack, yep. all that fuel went out the left side of yep. the car. Makes so much sense. Hit the header and then lit me up. So, yeah, I mean, Jim, I. Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Ed. No, go on. Go finish your thought. No, I was just like, I instantly knew what was going on. 
and halfway up the hill, I knew I was on fire, but it was like, all right, well, if I crest the hill, somebody will be there. If I don't crest the hill, then, you know, I'm sitting down here on the bottom racetrack and nobody's going to see me. And, uh, I don't know what's going to happen, you know? So <clears throat> I kept the car running, crested the hill, jumped out of the race car. I couldn't get out of it fast enough. Um, but that, at that point it didn't really much matter. I was on fire. I jumped out, I looked down and even with my helmet and tear offs and all that stuff, I could see my legs on fire and, you know, instantly it stopped drop and roll and, you know, that didn't do anything. So, you know, it was just, uh, hoping and praying for somebody to come help me. <laughs> yeah. Jimmy, most of my experience with you, obviously, um, is at Toledo Speedways, And I know you, you've never been scared going fast there. Where was the point where you kind of got scared and said, this is not good. Um, I think the point where I was getting, I, when I was getting out of the car and I knew I had to get out of the car because I could just feel the immense heat and I knew but I, of course I couldn't see the fire, but I knew I was on fire. And then when I got out of the car, I could look down and see my legs on fire. And I mean, literally in the daylight, I could see myself on fire. So I knew that it was bad at that point. So, you know, at, at that point it was, you know, all of my safety equipment did exactly what it was supposed to do. It was just the unfortunate circumstances that I had gotten soaked with the fuel. Um, and it basically just filled my shoes up and just melted me. Now, now, what, let's move on forward just a little bit because yeah. this is what surprised me because, you know, a lot of people like, you know, they have things like this. They like to keep it rather personal. You took a lot of the fans and everybody <laughs> through your healing process. He went Facebook Live on the way to the hospital. I saw it on my phone that <laughs> night. Now, I don't know if he did, did that because of all the drugs he was on, if he would have done that in a sober state. But, I mean, to your point, Rich, he was instantly informing the fans what was going on. And, Jimmy, i got to thank you for that, too, because uh, obviously I went down. Jason Blonde was racing that night. I went to his pits because I knew if anybody knew, it would be them. And uh, just everybody so concerned and really you know, deflated about what had happened uh, when one of their own gets hurt at the racetrack. So was that a conscious decision to, to get on there as quickly as you did and really take everyone along for the ride? I mean, at that point, I mean, I remember exactly, like, every moment I told my wife, Cal, I was like, give me my phone. And I was like, how do I go live? And I just want to tell everybody that I'm okay, but I'm screwed up, but I'm okay. And, you know, it was just like the easiest way that I could do anything to tell, because I knew once a few things floated around, you know, the internet space there, that it was just going to be crazy. So I just wanted for myself and my own well-being to be like, I'm screwed up, but I'm okay. Yeah. And that was the most I could tell you, you know, it was like, you know, I might be melted, but I'm alive. And you know what? So far, so good. So now let's fast forward. We're about seven months later and um, let everybody know a lot better position these days, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, we just spent, uh, my dad and I just spent three or four days down at uh, Volusia County watching uh, the All-Stars and the Outlaws and uh, did a ton of walking. And uh, I think by about the third night, my feet were pretty much done. We left after the first feature. I made it through qualifying. Um, I think it was the second world of our second outlaw night and, uh, we had that rain and stuff and I mean, my feet were just kind of pretty much wasted at that point. But, um, all in all, I think we're going to be all right. Um, I'm hoping to get out in April and, and start playing with the dirt stuff. Um, you know, just, you know, weather permitting schedule and life permitting and, you know, just see how my feet go and just kind of get my, uh, get my brain back into racing and stuff. So, but we've been hard at work here in the, la in the shop for the last few months and, 
you know, the dirt car is pretty close to being done. Um, the asphalt's apart right now, and uh, we've got some changes trying to uh, make sure we're as much prepared for next year as we can be. Give me, uh, give me the official statistics because, like any uh, racing podcast or anybody, we like to know what the statistics are. So, what'd you end up with? Uh, percentages and degree of, of burns. What was the final number there? How bad was it? Um, it was third degree burns in my feet. Um, basically, it just kind of burned everything down to the tendons. I mean, there wow. was. I mean, I shouldn't say burnt because I didn't really burn. I mean, there was nothing like a, black and you really looked, you know, just you, like you really charred. looked boiled. Was, you really looked boiled uh, in what exactly. I saw. Yeah. Yep. My wife's best description of it was, is my, I look like melted candle wax. <laughs> yeah. No, you're absolutely right. So yeah. now this, I, I, I go back to that one last time to say, uh, this opens, opened a new opportunity for you um, based on what I saw from you on Facebook. You're kind of looking at this sport a different way now, rather than just a race car driver. Tell me what you're doing, what you got up your sleeve. Yeah, for sure. Um, a lot of it's more um, safety aspect. Um, you know, we, we hooked up with SBA Technique out of Indianapolis. Um, it's a U.K. company. Um, so we're selling those uh, fire extinguisher systems, um, and I've had uh, a lot of great feedback from just about everybody around around the country, you know, when I'm even around the world because I've got a buddy in New Zealand that I met through uh, the South African Connections when we were racing over there that's interested in, in the systems as well. So, um it's just been a, uh, you know, I mean, tragedy brings whatever to the plate. And unfortunately, you know, the things that happened to us um, brought new adventures. So um, at this point, we're going to start, uh, you know, doing some uh, more high-end um, crimp pose, um, push lock. I mean, just things to kind of get the guys away from some of the older hoses, maybe take a, a little gander at what they've got on the race car you know that's what i missed you know i mean half the car was put together when i got it and you know i plumbed the rest of it myself and just you know neglected to you know pay attention to the other three hoses that are on the car and uh, that was the one that bit me so so are you if se- i can help it go ahead if i said if i can help a guy out and you know upgrade his system on his car upgrade his fuel system any of his water lines if we can do that and make a guy feel more confident about what he's doing in his race car it's just like fitting yourself in a seat. If you're more comfortable in that seat, if you're more comfortable with the parts and pieces that are on your car, you're going to go faster and you're going to be more productive in that race car. So those are the one things that we're looking at, um, especially with the fire systems. I mean, I've had everybody from, you know, late model guys to modify guys for sprint car guys all over the country to, you know, guys running Oakshade, just give me a shout and say, Hey, you know, what can you do for me? And you know, what kind of package looks good for my car? So again, uh, just to clarify, uh, you are selling fire suppression systems. These became very big in the late model world, became required by Dirt Car UMP. Um, I didn't think that you could get one of these in a sprint car, <laughs> to be honest with you, uh, because of how tight your quarters are. So tell me a little bit about how this science works and, and what is the area that you're able to suppress with this bottle? Um, it's actually, I mean, it's a five-pound system, and the system that we're doing is uh, a foam system, which... I mean, in my personal opinion, I think is, is a great system because, you know, it's going to cover more area. Um, the system that we sell has a, uh, a T that comes off the block, um, and you can run different piping to inside the car. So instead of just running the hose to wherever, right off of the system, you can run some aluminum piping around. So I can put one up in the 
top corner of the cockpit in the car and spray me there. Um, I can have one under the seat spraying my legs. Um, it's just got a few advantages that I think is just really great for, for what we're doing. Jimmy, I'd be, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you, you're working on the health side. What's the mental side going to be getting back? Are you, do you just say, um, Hey, it happened once and if it happens again, oh, well, or, or do you, do you got to work on that part too? Um, quite honestly, I don't know. <laughs> you know, I guess the jury's out on that one because I haven't been in a race car since July 23rd. So I don't really know. I mean, I've sat in the car and, you know, especially the dirt car, the one, you know, the one that hurt me, I'm sitting here looking at it right now. Um, you know, I, I don't, I don't feel any different, but that's not to say that I don't feel any different when I flip that switch, you know, the only time will tell that. So, um, at this point I don't feel any different. I mean, my feet feel different, of course, they hurt every day and you know, they're ugly, <laughs> but what do you do? You know, it's either you crawl in a hole and cry about it, or you do what we did. And, you know, I went Facebook live, told everybody what was going on. I posted photos, even when they were disgusting and, yep. and, and just gross. You know what? I showed everybody what was going on. Um, I wasn't hiding anything, you know, I was like, I don't want to sit back here and be like, Oh, I'm okay. Oh, I'm okay. And you know, seven months later, it's, you know, I'm finally walking, but no, it's, I'm going to, you might as well just put it out there so everybody can see it. If I can help the next guy, even more power to him. I don't know if you know. I don't know if the name Lyle Barnett means anything to you. Um, he's a very successful drag racer. We've had him on the program, and uh, he almost lost his life to a fire on his drag car. And uh, you can go back and find that program. I think it was a couple seasons ago, Rich, right before COVID. Uh, we had him on the program from the Lane Automotive Safety Summit. Um is safety for, for, for Lyle, safety is a passion and, and he gets fired up about it. No pun intended. Um, is safety a passion for you now where if you are walking through the pits and you see somebody maybe who's using a non-containment seat and a tattered fire suit from, you know, 2001, are you now the guy who says you really need to, you really need to upgrade that stuff. Uh, you really need to make safety your number one priority before you make speed your number one priority. Um, I wouldn't say anything's different now. Um, I was always that way. I mean, okay. no matter if I was at a go-kart race or a quarter midget race or a sprint car or midget race or any kind of race, I'm always staring at people's cars, looking at stuff. Um, you know, I mean, if I see something that I disagree with or, Hey, it's loose or yeah. you might want to check that I'm going to point it out to you and tell you in the first place. Um, do I have a little bit different opinion now? Sure. Um, you know, from what I've been through, but I mean, it doesn't really change who I was beforehand. Cause if I didn't, if I saw something that I didn't like, or I thought there was a problem with something, I was going to tell you in the first place. So, uh, I would say probably no. Uh, and the other thing I was just wanted to kind of stair step off of this is you mentioned how long you've been in the race car. Rich asked about what it's going to be like to get back behind the wheel. Um, is this the most traumatic experience you've had behind the wheel where you've had to try to get back in the car and, and, and see if you still got it? Oh yeah, for sure. Okay. Um, I mean, I guess the biggest wreck I ever had was, uh, in a champ car in Memphis, uh, I busted my hand when a throttle stuck. Um, you know, I mean, it's just, what was that like? You know, what was, things... what was, what was getting back in the, behind the wheel after that? I mean, anytime you get hurt in a race car, Brandon Thurlby broke his wrist twice. Uh, you know, I, uh, you, you talk to guys who get hurt behind the wheel of a race car and some of them can't do it again. What was that like for you after Memphis? Was it, was it easy? 
I don't know. I mean, it was 20 years ago. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> young, I was young and yep. I didn't really give a, you know, didn't really give a darn. So I was just like, let's get back in a race car. But that's how I feel right now, especially with the dirt. Cause it's intriguing to me. Um, you know, with everything going on, on the asphalt side. And you still um, didn't get to close that chapter, right? You, you still have that chapter open. It feels like. Exactly. So, and I mean, I've, I mean, I still love the asphalt side of it. So it's like, you know, with musty season that they've got coming up with the Lasso back and Birch run, and Berlin, and I mean, we've just got all these racetracks that are so close that I've I've, I've grown up racing, and I mean, with the Wasso having being repaved, and you know, just all the newness to everything that's going on, and dirt side, and my kids growing up, and I mean, they're running go karts, and you know, it's just I don't know, everything excites me right now. So I guess we'll see. Jimmy, usually at the at the end of the show, we give everybody a chance to talk about their sponsors, but and you're and you're more than welcome to do that. But I think you have some people that helped you through this last seven months. Um, obviously, your wife Kelly, right up front. But um, who, who are the people that helped you get through the last seven months? Because I'm sure there were some hard days. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, we had our uh, we had our cries, and we had our uh, you know, I don't even I wouldn't even say running into really poor me's. It was just you know. It was a few, probably over three or four months that I had probably two or three that were like, why, 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 why? Yeah. But you know what? At the end of the day, it's like, it was meant for a reason. Here we are. We're still good. I still got my feet. still got my, all my toes. They might be ugly, but they work. So uh, yeah, my family was the biggest thing. You know, my wife was there every single stinking moment that she could possibly be there, you know, between work and the kids and, and all that stuff. And it was hard because my kids couldn't see me right away. I think it was gosh, I might've been in there a week or so before they could actually even see me. So, and then when I did, I had to be wheelchaired outside and I had some of my friends from Australia that were here, um, a couple of days prior to that. And then they had taken off and went and seen some racing and stuff. And they swung back through here to, you know, when I was in the hospital, see me and stuff. So, um, yeah, I mean, if it wasn't for family and friends, um, in the racing community, it would have been, uh, extremely difficult to get through all this, but yeah, my wife, my sisters, my mom, my dad, um, they were, uh, they went above and beyond to help me, even friends. I mean, <laughs> the, the day I left to go to Butler that day, the, the water heater in my house had taken a crap. Um, oh, man. and then two days after that, I'm in the hospital and I've got a septic issue and I got a buddy called Cal Pawson that, uh, he lives uh, about three miles South of me. And, uh, he come over and just went above and beyond, put a water heater in, took care of the septic. I mean, it was just like, he was over here working three or four days straight and I couldn't do anything about it, man. But other, other than just cry and say, thank you. <laughs> I want to, obviously you talked about your new business venture. Um, I want to set some side, a uh, set aside some time where we're not talking about your business. I want you to take this time to talk directly to a sprint car driver, a late model driver, a front wheel drive racer. What is something, I mean, advice or, you know, things that you wish that you would have done differently. Is there anything uh, out of that? I mean, obviously our sport, we all know the risks. We all know that it's dangerous and that anything can happen at any time. Uh, but is there anything that you would say to a young racer, even a veteran racer like yourself, as we get ready to take on this new season, having experienced what you did last year? Just go over your car. That's the biggest thing. Go over every aspect of your car that has to do with safety, has to do with, you know, water lines, fuel lines, and if you question it, change it. Because if you're questioning it, if you have to think about it, then that's a reason to take care of it right now. 
you don't want to take care of it in the middle of the season when you got a fuel line broke, or you don't want to take care of, you know, seat belts because you just didn't think you needed a new set of seat belts. I mean, same thing with your helmet, your safety gear, you've got an old suit, you know, I mean, you've been driving and, you know, for 10 years and you still got the same old raggedy suit. You know what, at that point, it's just, you know, call up, call me, whatever. We'll help you take care of whatever you need to do. But it's just, if you have to question it, take care of it now. And then, uh, Jimmy, uh, last thing, what is the best way if somebody's interested in one of these fire suppression systems or anything else that you've got going on, how can people uh, get in touch with you to get that ball rolling? Um, Facebook's probably the easiest way. My phone number's um, attached to it, um, Abe's Auto Parts. Um, you can look them up, catch me at any time, any day, um, during the day from 8 to 5. But um, my phone number's attached to Facebook, so you can just get a hold of me straight and direct and, and – uh, we can run you through the paces and show you what we got and what we can help you with. Jimmy McCune, uh, looking forward to it. So happy, I'll say this, to hear you say that come the spring we're going to strap back into a race car and see what happens. I was really glad to hear that. So, man, yes, uh, looking forward to seeing what you can accomplish. You have a huge support system, even the ones that are watching from, from a distance. Uh, a lot of people are excited to hear from you tonight. So good luck with this upcoming season. Let us know if there's anything we can do to help you, and, and we're hoping to see you at a racetrack again real soon. For sure. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Man, I don't know. Season 5, Episode 2, did we just have the show of, of the year? Maybe. Uh, Want to say huge thanks to everybody, all five of those guys from Tommy Bauer Racing, Jimmy McCune for diving back into his stuff, Rich. Um, how cool. What a great show we've had. Yeah, and we were talking about did, did we set a record? Yeah, we did. Yes, yeah. we did. <laughs> I know we've talked to a few people. At what the is same that? Six time, six guests tonight? Yeah, six in wow. one night and five on one call. Uh, so yeah, that that was fun. We knew we had to get get the Tommy Bauer guys in after that performance a little over a week ago. Um, you know, like you said, that was a a pretty emotional situation, and I was watching. I couldn't turn away from it. Uh, Absolutely. No matter, no matter how I wanted to get to the to the dirt race and stuff, I had to stay there through the end, and I'm glad I did. Uh, congratulations to them, guys. All right, let's take a look at what on the on the uh, upcoming calendar here. Uh, as we mentioned, Volusia Speedway Park still in action. They've got that special from the USAC non-wing sprint cars. Dirt car sanctioned late models there tonight and tomorrow night and Wednesday. So that's just dirt car. Thursday, the World of Outlaws come into town with their case construction uh, with their case, uh, World of Outlaws case late model series will be there starting on Thursday. They'll race Thursday, Friday, Saturday uh, for the World of Outlaws. And then finally, Speed Weeks comes to an end at Volusia Speedway Park and they take a break until they're back in action on March 5th. That's what's happening at Volusia Speedway Park. And Rich, of course, the World Series continues for a couple more days. Right on my TV over here. Yeah, <laughs> I, I got it. I got it on tonight. Tonight was a big night. Super late models, pro late models, um, Florida modifieds, 602 modifieds, and tour type modifieds uh, were in are in action. Are in action tonight. Um, tomorrow's the big day for the super late models, though. The Clyde Hart Memorial, ten thousand dollars for the ASA Southern Super Series. They kick their season off. Uh, their first points race. Yep. Of twenty twenty three. Uh, so they'll kick that. That'll be tomorrow night at New Smyrna. Did you see and, the updated uh, entry list for that race? It's pretty stout, isn't it? William Byron's there. Bubba Pollard's there. Stephen Nassi, uh, some guy that ran a truck series race is there. Uh, Reminds me of Speedfest. It, it, it looks a lot like Speedfest. You know who's there? 
Stuart Friesen is in a pavement late model. Shouldn't that cat be behind the wheel of a big block modified somewhere? You would think so. You would think he'd be in a tour type modified, but uh, Ryan Priest didn't run uh, in their big 200 lapper the other night. Ryan Priest didn't have a ride, which surprised me. Yeah, really, absolutely. really surprised me. Yep. Um, but uh, no, they're when when they're in as soon as Daytona opens up, boy, drivers come out of the woodwork to go play at nighttime. Yes, know? they do. And speaking of Daytona, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention the Daytona 500 is coming up on Sunday. Uh, season sophomore season for the next gen car. Uh, you'll remember that first race. There were some definite bugs that they needed to work out. And now that they've got a lot of those bugs squashed, I'm excited to see what product they bring to the track uh, for the Daytona 500 coming up on Sunday. And that is going to do it for an extended edition of Horsepower Happening. Do we get overtime? Thank you for saving my voice yeah. tonight. Yeah. It wasn't on a regular night. It wasn't going to make it. Yeah, yeah, man. Uh, Rich and I I'll are going to... I'll be good for next week. Good, good stuff. Rich and I are going to work on that overtime pay. In the meantime, I want you to make sure that you follow uh, Horsepower Happenings on Facebook, Instagram, Spotify, iTunes, wherever it is that you bring in Horsepower Happenings content. Make sure you do it and keep locked in with everything that's going on. For Rich France, Scott Miller, Pays the Bills, I'm Zach Heiser. Thank you so much for tuning in to Horsepower Happenings. You've been listening to Horsepower Happenings. The views and opinions expressed in tonight's show may not directly reflect that of Horsepower Happenings. The contents of this program may not be reproduced, retransmitted, or disseminated without the express written consent of Horsepower Happenings. Follow Horsepower Happenings on Facebook, Instagram, Spotify, and iTunes to keep up on what's happening.